Welcome to the Royal Society of Medicine's Trauma and Orthopaedic Section podcast. My name is Akib Khan. I am an orthopaedic registrar on the RSM Council, and I will be your host through this series of podcasts. We will feature global experts and key opinion leaders discussing innovation, progress, and current practice within their subspecialties. These speakers have all contributed at one of our events. For more details on our events, please visit the Royal Society of Medicine website or on socials using the handle RSM Ortho. Welcome to this episode of the Royal Society of Medicine's Trauma and Orthopedic Podcast. Today I'm joined by Mr. Peter James. Mr. James is a consultant surgeon in Nottingham who undertakes a large number of hip and knee replacements operations each year, both in the NHS and privately at the Park Hospital, and has developed a national and international reputation for revision and complex knee replacement. He has particular expertise and experience in high-performance knee replacements for active patients and difficult revision knee surgery. In September 2010, he was recognized by his peers as being amongst the UK's top knee replacement surgeons in a survey conducted by the Daily Mail. Thank you very much for joining us at the Royal Society of Medicine. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So you've just delivered a very interesting talk on revision total knee replacement. And there were quite a few concepts that you covered during the um, presentation. So my first question for you is, is some pain almost inevitable after a total knee replacement? And how do you assess the painful total knee replacement patient? Uh, That's a good question. The first part of that, I'd say, no, it's not inevitable, I don't think. Um, Patients can get pain-free knees. Um, I would, however, um, qualify that by saying I think uh, there is a high proportion of people who do have some residual pain. And I feel strongly it's uh, part of our role as orthopedic surgeons to counsel patients appropriately before they have a knee replacement. And I think if we set realistic patient expectations, we counsel patients appropriately before we start, uh, then whilst we'll still have patients who have a, uh, a little bit of discomfort, particularly in high demand activities and when we load the patellofemoral joint a lot, at least we'll have uh, patients who can live with it and accept it that that's uh, normal. Um, and therefore, I think satisfaction rates and better outcomes will be reported. We won't necessarily solve the niggling discomfort some patients do have, but at least we will have warned them preoperatively. The next group then are the patients who do have a very painful total knee replacement. Um, We obviously get to see a lot of those in our clinic, uh, referred in from other centres, and uh, they can be difficult to to truly fully assess and to work out a, a treatment strategy for them. Uh, But basically, you just have to be logical. You have to go through a set, uh, almost like a formulaic approach to investigating them. Um, And the way we do it is clearly look at their preoperative state and get their notes, x-rays from their treating hospital and understand the journey that they've been on to date, where they started from and where they are now. Important to take a history uh, with particular relevance to could this be an infective pathology? or is this more likely to be an aseptic failure? Um, And examine them and remember to look outside the knee. So um, don't forget to check the hip, uh, think of the spine, as well as examining the knee joint. And I think that examination has to include assessment of ligamentous integrity to look for instability, um, as well as a presence or absence of effusion, range of motion, and, uh, and how is the patella behaving and the patella tracking. 
Um, and then we progress to investigation, the mainstay of which is plain X-ray, uh, screening blood tests to exclude infection. And then at uh, that stage, we will deviate into more elaborate investigations such as CT scan if there's an indication to do so. And the majority of people, when you've put them through that uh, approach, I think you can, you can highlight the significant problems, which you have some uh, potential to improve with further intervention. Uh, and you will have reassured a large number that, sorry, this is, uh, there's nothing structurally or significantly amiss with your knee replacement and point them down the road of conservative management, a revisit to physio, quad strengthening, and even pain clinic services. Uh, to help them cope with their symptoms better. Thank you very much. And I found it very interesting how you broke down the assessment of a painful total knee replacement during your talk into, is it infected? Is it an extra-articular cause? Is it an intra-articular cause? Or is it psychological? Um, and one of the things which um, I was going to ask you is, do you ever do an EUA? And what's the role of a local an anesthetic injection? So... Uh, we do do EUAs, um, uh, not on everyone. I think, you know, the majority of people who get referred in have an obvious problem with a knee replacement that you can see on a plain X-ray or you can identify in a clinic, even people with instability. If you do the examination properly, you'll know that they've got an unstable knee. Um, there are others, however, and, and they're people who have um, stiffness and subtle instabilities where I think an EUA is helpful. Um, I think it, it allows you to better assess ligamentous integrity throughout range of motion. Patients are more relaxed um, and therefore you get a better appreciation of how much laxity and play in both the sagittal and coronal planes there is in that knee replacement. So we do do them. And the reason we do them in stiffness uh, is really to try and work out whether that's a mechanical block, a true block to movement, or whether it's more an adhesive block and a softer endpoint, and try and evaluate where that block's occurring and what's stopping the knee bending, which is um, much easier when the patient's relaxed and can't, can't fight you and you're not hurting them. Do we use local anesthetic injections? We do. Uh, it's very good for differentiating between hip and knee pathology. You can do selective local anesthetic injections. And for those group where you are umming and ahhing as to whether or not you can help them, I think a large volume of local anesthetic into the knee is a very good way of assessing uh, how much of the pain is actually coming from within the knee joint. Uh, so we, we do all of those things in selected groups of patients. Thank you very much. I think one of my favorite quotes from your talk was, be sure of the diagnosis before revision. And revision is not a diagnostic tool. And on that note... Should revision total knee replacements be done at specialist centers? And what have we learned from the NJR? So, uh, yes, and, and that's a very bold statement I made, and one I think is absolutely true, uh, with a caveat that uh, we're all human beings, and um, we see patients and we want to try and help patients. And uh, there are occasions where even the best of us get worn down by patients who are in intractable pain. So you get forced into doing something that maybe you don't, you shouldn't. And in that respect, I think the ability to ask for a second opinion is, is, is very, very important. Um, don't feel badgered into doing something you don't want to do. It's much better to, to ask for help. And I think that then leads nicely into what about revision networks and specialist revision centers. 
Um, I don't think that the system can cope with uh, dedicated revision hospitals doing all of the revisions. So I think there has to be a hub and spoke model where a lot of hospitals are doing uh, the more straightforward revision procedures, provided they're doing sufficient numbers and that their outcomes are good. Um, I think there is a need for a, a sort of specialist referral hub uh, to offer those second opinions if required, uh, but also to take on some of the more complex work which will involve multiple specialties such as plastic surgery, occasionally vascular surgery and uh, infectious diseases input. So yes, I think, uh, I think that has to happen. I think it's the direction of travel and I think we know from the National Joint Register and the GERF reports that a large number of revisions are done by uh, people who are doing very small numbers and we also know outcomes are worse. So uh, on the back of all of those parameters, I think we have to move towards centralization, particularly of the more complex revision procedures. How important is the MDT in making those decisions? So incredibly important. And, that, and that's, uh, so we in Nottingham set up, I think the first revision network in the country and we're still running it. It's been going now for six years uh, for Nottinghamshire and Lincolnshire. Um, and the multidisciplinary team, it's, um, it's an important part of the group uh, and of the decision-making process. Uh, it has to involve infectious diseases. That's one of the most important members we have, uh, particularly when talking about septic uh, failure of knee uh, replacement. Um, we can involve other specialties as required, but, but actually the biggest part of the MDT, I think, is multiple consultant surgeons, consultant orthopedic surgeons who have the same interest. And that isn't just in, in the hub hospital, it's the important contributions made by our colleagues in the spoke hospitals who are doing large numbers of revisions as well. And that collective brain and collective assessment and discussion of each of these cases, even the simple to the complex, um, actually uh, helps us generate a better surgical plan and a treatment plan for each individual patient. And it can only lead to better outcomes uh, for everyone. Hmm. And let's say that you've um, put a case through the MDT and the joint decision is to go ahead and offer the patient a revision total knee replacement. What are the key surgical steps in performing that procedure? And is there a role for robotic surgery? Um, so the key surgical steps, I think you can simply split them down into good exposure um, and safe exposure. So respect the skin and respect the subcutaneous tissues and have a plan for how you're going to access and expose the knee. Um, and that plan needs to be tailored to, for each individual case. Uh, the majority, a medial parapetella and aggressive synovectomy through the gutters will give you a good, good access. But if you, you can predict the ones where you will struggle, and they are really stiff knees, and anyone with a shortened patella tendon or patella bar heart is going to be a difficult exposure. So have something, have a backup plan. Uh, rather than just uh, put the extensor mechanism at risk. Once you're in the knee, I think then it is very much move the components, don't take any more bone with the component. So, so have a, a method to get those components off clean, clear the cement, and then look at re, uh, your reconstructive options. And basically, um, in most cases, you'll have intact collateral ligaments. And if you've got intact collateral ligaments, you have a stable knee and therefore a condo, modular condola design will work well. 
And then you have to appreciate the bone loss, particularly on the femoral side. Don't get misled by the bone loss. Imagine in your own mind where the bone was before that bone loss occurred and put your knee back where that bone was. And that really means restore the joint line in flexion and extension and throughout range of motion, uh, balance the gaps. And if you do that, uh, you'll have a stable joint. You won't need uh, high levels of constraint and you'll have a successful outcome. Um, and clearly, if you have incompetent ligaments, then uh, you're looking at a hinge. So you have, to, you have to judge and you have to know that before you start and you have to, have to com continue to reevaluate intraoperatively. Uh, do I think there's a role for robotics currently in revision surgery? I don't think there is. Um, it could well develop. And I think, you know, people have developed uh, roles for navigation in uh, revision surgery and people are doing that. Um, robotics at the moment, I think it's still in its early stages. Um, will it help hugely with, um, with revision? Maybe, maybe not. I think revision is a different concept. We're very much using diaphysial engagement for fixation or metaphysial uh, fixation. So our bony canals are driving alignment. We have less ability to change that alignment subtly to go to a more anat anatomic or kinematic uh, methodology. And so I think it, has, it in its current form is less useful. Moving forward, robotics may well improve canal prep. Uh, if it can be developed for stem insertion, could be more accurate. And for my preferred technique, metaphysial sleeves, again, you can imagine robotic preparation of that bed actually might improve um, the press fit and the, the stability of that interface moving forward. So, yes, there may be, but I think it's a little bit away currently. And let's say in the primary setting, do you think that as we are doing more robotic primary knees, that will reduce the burden of revision knee replacement because we're becoming more accurate? Um, so, uh, yes, I think um, robotics will give you more accurate bone cuts. Um, but, we've, but looking back historically, uh, navigation gave us more accuracy as well. So it gave us better alignment. It gave us more accurate uh, positioning of implants. But it, it never really translated clinically to a reduction in, in the uh, number of unhappy knees. Um, do I think robotics will be a step forward from navigation? I am reserving a bit of judgment on that, I must say. Um, I think it's still in its infancy. I think it's a good advance if you believe in a measured resection approach because it will make your bone cuts more accurate relative to the, to the basic anatomy. Um, if you are more of a gap balance surgeon, I don't think it offers much over what standard jigs offer. Where robotics may have a big impact, I think, is uh, allowing knee surgeons to transition away from a mechanically aligned knee to a kinematically aligned knee on a so-called anatomic alignment. Because the increased accuracy that you can get from a robot will allow you to make subtle changes to the bone cuts on both the femoral and the tibial side with a degree of confidence that will better recreate uh, pre-arthritic anatomy. So, yes, I think, I think robots have the potential to be improved matters as long as they're applied correctly, and it'll still depend very much on the surgeon to get the rest of the operation correct. Thank you very much. Now, lastly, what advances do you anticipate in the field of revision total knee replacement? 
Uh, <clears throat> so I think that as things go on over the next 10 to 20 years, we'll get better fixation options. And I think that's already occurred. So we've got um, an understanding now that the metaphysis is good bone to fix revisions in, uh, the epiphysis is bad, and the diaphysis is not that good either, and we, we're bypassing too much bone. So going for metaph metaphysical loading is a good thing, whether that be with sleeves or cones. Um, and, and I think we're making, that, we're making that transition. I think materials are getting better all the time. So again, we're going to have more longevity in implants uh, because we have better polyethylenes now. And, and I think there's a lot of advances that we can still make as surgeons working with industry to improve surgical process. So implants are implants. Uh, in revision surgery, it's all a bit of a compromise. But what we can do is work on better instrumentation, better surgical process to improve accuracy, uh, decrease theatre theater time, so make it a more efficient procedure. And if we get the surgical process right and correct and we improve on the fixation methods, then I can't see any reason why revision knee shouldn't last at least as long, if not possibly slightly longer than a primary knee. Thank you very much for your insight. I just wanted to end by another key quote that you gave during your talk, which was that all surgeons should really ask themselves, can I make you better by redoing your operation? Thank you very much for joining us at the Royal Society of Medicine. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Royal Society of Medicine's Orthopaedic Section podcast. For more details on our events and speakers, please visit the Royal Society of Medicine's website or follow us on social media using the handle RSM Author.